62 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus from Flores And she was heavy laden Away we went and I got it Went straight to see the racing plane Oh, you lads You should have seen us get it Passing the bus along the road All of them were staring Yo, what is good? Ladies and germs, welcome back to another episode of CH Radio. This is episode 218 of CH Radio, and I'm Elijah, of course, joined by uh, fried chicken eater, but not expert, Joshua. <laughs> Josh, how you doing? <laughs> doing well. Uh, man, it was one time, one time I have uh, good- Yeah. Pick up some fried chicken and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you j- the the issue is that when you talk to someone who eats pretty much a vegan diet but is not vegan, and you mention chicken, I've only <laughs> been thinking about chicken since we talked about it oh. an hour ago. So, oh. um, yeah, so it, it, depending on what order you you see this in your feed, this is oh, well, actually, you'll see this come after because it's two eighteen, but this is a, kind of not a second part, but the separate Champions League specific episode. Where I'll kind of we'll kind of recap what's going on in our particular group. Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really prep Josh for this, but I don't know how much of the Champions League he saw. Um, there were some interesting games and all that kind of jazz. So we might bump around, uh, but I'll I'll recap what else happened in the group, and we'll also obviously talk about AC Milan and then any of the news related to that for Newcastle. A couple mm-hmm. of interesting little tidbits that were Champions, Champions League related for Newcastle. That's a bit of news. But as always, be sure to subscribe on any platform that you get that you listen to podcasts on um, and all that kind of jazz. Uh, Josh, do you have any any protagonist plugs for this episode? I forgot to ask you in the last one. Oh, no, no, no. Um, nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> just... If, if <laughs> go ahead. There's lots of lots of uh, we just dropped um, we just dropped one today. No, yesterday it was uh, it was about the 2017. Yeah, there's something new. It's about the 2017. Um, there was a tournament in the Midwest, and uh, a team from uh, Omaha, Nebraska, played against the University oh. of Denver. It was a it was a college matchup, and um, the result was the 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 home side. Um, who came into it as a number three seed, ended up winning the 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 tournament and went on to the big dance in 2017 in, in NCAA oh. college soccer. And from that, you had several players who went on to play in USL League One and Championship, which is um, step two and three in American professional soccer. And then you had Jay Mims, and he went on. He had built that program from scratch and then went on to coach uh, Union Omaha as he started a brand new. Uh, division three professional team in the usl so um yeah no thanks for asking i didn't even think about that that's it's it's a really it was a really fun one too we spoke with donnie barnes from espn and um he told us all he that was one of his first matches that he ever called for espn plus and he kind of walked us through who the who's who of college soccer players in 2017 oh that's interesting all right um well without further ado let's hop into uh, just kind of a little Champions League themed episode. So we'll start with a little bit of some news, uh, just a very weird, weird news ahead of this. Uh, first and foremost, Newcastle broke uh, UEFA rules. I don't know if they're going to be punished for this. I don't know if you saw this, Josh, but they broke UEFA rules because they did not arrive in ample amount of time to do a pre-match press conference as yeah. 
as uh, as UEFA deemed. But the reason they didn't uh, arrive is that they were sitting on at, at the airport for two and a half hours on the tarmac because of inclement weather. And I'm assuming Newcastle and Milan, since uh, we had we have people we know who are out in Milan, who it was raining in in Italy as well as as well as uh, it was as well as I'm not surprised if it was raining in Newcastle. So that's a weird bit of news. I don't know if you have any actual thoughts on that, Josh, or if you're just like, okay, that's UEFA in a nutshell. Yeah, it, I, again, we don't know what's going to come of it. I, I could understand the rule being in place, but sometimes when you know, well, they should have taken an earlier flight. There's, there's no way there's no, no way literally. And, and also like, I will say this is not like UEFA coming out with this statement saying this. It's like sky or someone was like, they broke this obscure rule. Like, and, and everyone's freaking wish, out. What, <laughs> it, it makes you think that sky and total sport, they're looking for things like they've already got these rules. Like they're like, Ooh, what can we report on Newcastle fucking up this time? I just think that uh, okay. I don't think it's Newcastle. I think it's I will say it's media sensationalism as a whole. Like there you go. Okay. I don't know if it's like Newcastle specific. I think they're just like, what's a story we can talk about ahead of the Champions League because there wasn't really anything else to talk about for any of the other teams or anyone in general. Like it was very uneventful. Like Pep had a had a pre patch presser where he kind of threw shade at Manchester United and Chelsea, but other than that, like it was pretty boring. Like the the other big story from press stuff was like people had asked Eddie Howe if he was going to walk the pitch at the same like you know ahead of the match, and he was like, "No, it's a field," and like that was news. Like it, yeah, it's it's like uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was news. Um, and then there was a really bizarre story that kind of came out of nowhere. And just hoping everyone involved is okay. But uh, a Newcastle fan was stabbed uh, and with a machete. And had his jersey taken off of him uh, and torn to shreds by an Italian gang while he was out the night before the match. And he was like a 58-year-old man. So, um, you know, prayers for him and his family. I I assume that I think he's alive because... Yeah, I read that he was in critical condition. And I think that the situation was that they were being chased and that he had recently had knee surgery. and And he couldn't run. And so he fell down. And that's... You know, that's when they they got him. And it's just, uh, it's pathetic. That's just really pathetic of, of those Milan fans. And I can't imagine, look, I'm, you know, I'm I'm 46. I'm, I'm 10 years, 10, 12 years away from not being able to run. And I just can't imagine a, a, a man of his age getting into any mischief. If it was a 20 something year old, you know, you know, fella that maybe was, was, being a little bit too rowdy and, and, uh, and drinking a little bit too much and maybe peeing on somebody's, you know, peeing on somebody's car. That's one thing, but like, you know, this, this guy probably wasn't doing anything and just got chased by. No, some hooligans. It, it, it definitely felt, and especially cause there were some Milan fans that, or Italian fans in general who saw the story and were like, well, he shouldn't have been in that area. And it's like, how, like, how would he know? How do they know? Like, it's like, like, it's you, you book an Airbnb or you book your lodge or whatever. And like, no one says, oh, this particular street is a bad street when they list their Airbnb. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and, and yeah, you could do some more research ahead of time, but generally you trust that your lodging and accommodations in the area that you're going to be around is going to be generally good. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm too naive, but also worth noting that the culture 
in other parts of Europe is just so different when it comes to soccer than or, or football than than it is in England. I think there's way more hooliganism. There's way more like there's ultras, there's actual ultras. And I think that, you know, England has their version of it where every so often you'll see guys like drunkenly punch each other. But for the most part, I don't think it's to the level that you see in other parts of uh, other yeah. parts of Europe. And so as far as the, this is kind of the last antidote before we actually get into the match itself, which lets you know how exciting that match was, uh, is that we spent 10 minutes talking about the build up to the match. Um, but yeah, like someone had tweeted out uh, of one of the one of the ladies on Newcastle who always is tweeting and is a, as, has a large following was like they do a real full. They said they were going to do a full body search and it's a real full body search. And like people were like, like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Like that's very common for them to do a full body search ahead of any match in Italy. They also in Italy as a whole for Serie A matches, like in order to cut down on the amount of just people in order to keep people safe, to be honest, they, they have a rule in which like they check your ID and make sure it matches the ticket that you bought. So there's there, there were fans being turned away uh, who bought tickets, you know, who'd gone into Milan and bought tickets from people who had legitimate tickets and the tickets were legitimate. The, the transfer of the tickets was legitimate, but, and all that kind of stuff. But the, the rule in Italy for all of Italian soccer, no matter where you are in the country is that they will check your ID and make sure you are the person that bought this ticket. And it's ultimately to keep fans safe. It's ultimately to make sure that the away fans are sitting in the away section because things can get a little, uh, testy. Yeah. But yeah, all right. All that to say, uh, Newcastle traveled to uh, the San Siro and played Champions League football for the first time in 20 or so years. It's actually the only the third time Newcastle played in Champions League. Four time Newcastle played in Champions League. They had three different Champions League campaigns before that. Someone's definitely going to correct me, but that is what I remember them saying on the broadcast. And I didn't fact check them because I would expect a broadcast to know their stuff but you know here and <laughs> there uh they did they did say they did say jacob murphy was more defensive than almiron on the broadcast which that's not true but that's different than a just straight up looking at facts um again it was a homecoming for uh sandro tonali is actually didn't even think about this but this was the first time he'd actually been he never yeah. got to say a, a goodbye to the milan fans because he wasn't even in italy when the transfer happened he was at the u21 World Cup, so he wasn't even like in Italy. There was no like, he he just kind of came back and packed the stuff up and and moved to Newcastle. I don't even know if he packed the stuff up or 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 any of that. So he probably just showed up to Newcastle after vacation. Um, so yeah. Uh, all that being said, I'll quickly go through the lineups. I'll get to the three words, and then we'll talk a little bit about the match. Um, so from the Newcastle side, it went with the four three three with uh, Pope and goal, Byrne, Botman, Cher, Trippier as the back line, Tonali, Bruno, and Longstaff as the midfield three, Anthony Gordon on the left, Isak in the middle, and Jacob Murphy on the white, on the right. And then uh, AC Milan went with an interesting light lineup with uh, Mike Mayon in goal. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Calabria started at left back, and he was actually the captain um, for until he got subbed. Tial uh, started center back with Tamori and Teo Hernandez at right back. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Krunic, and Pobega were their midfield. Uh, Chukwesi from Villarreal, who mm-hmm. recently signed Villarreal. Giroud and uh, Rafael Leao, who is probably the talk of the town in, in 
in Italy right now were their front three. So very potent and dangerous front three. I want to preface that because this was a nil-nil draw. That is a dangerous front three. <laughs> Chukwesi, Giroud, and Leao are no strangers to storing goals and um, are really good players in their own right. Uh, any yeah. initial lineup thoughts that stuck out to you? before? Well, Giroud we... is the all-time leading scorer for the French national team. And if you think about all the players that have ever played in France, including, um, in, I'm sure Mbappe will pass him at some point, but, you know, Griezmann and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, for a hundred years of French players. And Giroud is the all-time best scorer for the French national team. He's in this game. And I just felt like, yeah, you're and, and there are some fantastic names on paper. And, uh, and it, it put the, I wasn't fearful going into it. And then as soon as I saw the lineups, I go, oh my God. Oh my word! <laughs> yeah, you you kind of rem, you're reminded that this is Champions League and this is yes. the best of the best. Like yes. it's it's it was one of those where it's like oh yeah, and it's just funny seeing like like I tweet about this, but it was funny seeing them blaring the Champions League anthem anthem, and then like they're panning and you're seeing names that look like they've been there before. Like they'll show Tonali, they'll show Botman, they'll show Cher, who's he played in Champions League before. And you'll see Bruno, and it's like guys. You're like, okay, that makes yeah, that yeah. makes and then sense. Like Jacob you, Murphy, <laughs> and it's like it's Jacob Murphy and Sean Longstaff just cheesing next to each other. And oh, you're like, man. all right, this, this doesn't even. Wouldn't feel you real. though? The look on his face was <laughs> oh yeah, priceless. oh yes, yeah. especially because I mean, yeah, Jacob Murphy and and Sean Longstaff obviously both long like boyhood Newcastle fans, yeah. and they are the same age as me. Uh, Sean Longstaff, I think, is the same age as me. Jacob Murphy might be like a year older or a year younger than me, but uh, yeah, so. Like I know, I think he's a couple years older than me. But uh, but I know for a fact they don't remember the last time Newcastle were in Champions League. They might, they might, they they might have a glimpse of it. They might have been like six or seven. But uh, yeah. So for sure, this is like dream come true. And they grew up hearing about how good Newcastle was in the '90s when they were, you know, barely alive. So um, all that to say, three words uh were pretty varied uh. Kim Avery says Trippier's class. Eric Schmidt says lucky point there. Stork9 says stole one point. Mark Oakley says fucking love Newcastle. And Harry said deserved road point. Mm. Josh, do you have three words for this? Uh, A good point? Yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I was speaking with another fan of a different club, a Man U fan, and he said, you know, He's asking how I felt ahead of this match. And I was like, well, you know, I'm a little nervous. I don't think that they'll win just because I haven't seen a confident Newcastle team since the Villa match. But he yeah. was like, no, you don't You don't need to win. Like, you just need to go in there, get a draw. Like, get your point. draw your away games and, and win your home, home games. games. And you'll be fine. And yep. that felt like the approach for Newcastle. Uh, there was a little bit of pressing and stuff early on, but nothing crazy. They were happy to defend. And um, I think... They, and they were happy to hold possession. Um, I think some telling things that will let you know a little bit about the match. Um, if you look at the stats, which don't do it, <laughs> you'll be depressed. Um, there is a, Most places have roughly 1.5 to 2 expected goals for AC Milan. To Newcastle's less than 1 expected goals. Everywhere. Yeah. Position actually ended up being kind of even. Um, and then, in the end? The first half yeah, was end, drastic. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then uh, total shots, 25 total shots for Milan, uh, six total shots for Newcastle. A bunch of those are blocked, by the way. Um, yeah. So take that into consideration. Uh, and then 
nine shots on target for Milan, one shot on target for Newcastle. And worth noting, the one shot on target it for Newcastle. It was close. It was close. It, it could have been the ultimate smash and grab. Wouldn't have been that. Trip. I would have lost my – I was at work. I yeah. was I was at work. I would have lost my flipping mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was Sean Longstaff hit an absolute piss missile from distance, and it stung the keeper's gloves, and it was knocked out for – at that point, this is, again, we're 95th minute, and that's the first shot on target, which then led to the first corner of the match for Newcastle. Uh, so – yeah, yeah, not 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 the most balanced match, but again, it's Champions League away. You're kind of if you're the home team, especially in the group of death, you're expect like it's kind of a loss if you don't win. Yeah, um, I, was, I think that's, that was the temperature in that in that arena. I think Europe. exactly. I think that's exactly the takeaway because now after today's results, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know what, in which order you're going to pursue this information, but. But PSG are the only team in the group to get three points. Yeah, they they beat Dortmund. Uh, yeah. um pretty comfortably, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, and Milan, who should have got their three points at home, now are third out of fourth. But I think what's more is now Milan. I think they're in trouble, right? Like I don't think because they have to go to Dortmund, who has something to prove, and uh, and, and and Dortmund don't want to get knocked out. So I think they're going to play. Um, and then Milan have to go to PSG before yeah, they get they another to, home game. Yeah, if they have they definitely have a pretty brutal schedule. Yeah, yeah. They needed that three points more. The, I think the expectations of their supporters and of the media in general are higher. It, it could be embarrassing for them. And if they they could they could end up by the time they come all the way back to Newcastle, when's that gonna be? In December? They might it might already be too late for Milan. Now I'm jumping the gun with all of that, but yeah, 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 that's but, fair. But that's uh, the, the, them's the stakes. That's the stakes that come with not getting that win at home. And conversely, Newcastle can turn those stakes around. They got their road point, and now you know they can enjoy PSG. Yeah, um, and enjoy. I will say, yeah, I, I will say the the tough thing for Milan and why and probably like like Newcastle came into this. With way less pressure, for sure. I think no one's doubting that. But Milan to to lose to lose against Inter in the way that they did on Sunday, five one, mm. and then have to then basically like you have to win at the San Siro today in order to like in order for your supporters to not be completely fed up with the club and your manager not be on the hot seat. Like there was already people after the Inter loss calling for their manager to be fired and replaced with someone like Deserby. Like like literally this where we are uh, we are four matches into the season for everyone and they're like sack this guy. We don't we don't think he is he's going to be able to lead us to any promised land. Not 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 winning the Italian league, not or is it Scudetto? I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Not winning yeah. Scudetto, not not winning in Champions League, not even get out of, they they're already done and this doesn't help at all. Um and I will say I don't think this loss is really on their manager because on paper and and actually looking at the match, Milan got everything they wanted except for the result. Yeah, to to be honest, the the lack of result is one thousand percent on the players. Like 
there, Leal had multiple one-on-one chances where he made the wrong decision. He had multiple runs where multiple runs where he made the wrong runs. There was multiple times where the, uh, the ball would get recycled back to the keeper, and in that moment, you're expecting Leal to drift back onside so that the, the keeper can can play can play a long ball to him, uh, especially you know him going against Trippier and all that stuff. And it was to the fact where I had friends who had, who were who put money on Trippier to get a yellow because they're like, there's no way that he's going to be able to deal with Leal. And just he never had to deal with Leal because Leal beat himself every yeah, single time. Yeah. And so it, it you, you deal with that. And um, just Giroud had a couple chances. There was a couple clear-cut chances. There was, there was I mean, not to pick on Leal, but there was a chance where it might have been Teal Hernandez who put in like a delicious cross. And Leal just jumped up when he didn't really need to, and it hit off the side of his head, and it went over. Like, just a lot of – like, yeah. they should have scored two or three goals. And, and, again, it's not, like, bad for Newcastle that I'm saying this. I think Newcastle were kind of expecting a lot of shots and things like that, and Nick Pope made some great saves. Uh, but Milan kind of beat themselves here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I felt for the first twenty minutes that Milan was, I actually thought we were in it, right? Oh yeah, and, for sure. And I thought Milan was just trying to suss it out, trying to feel mm-hmm. what Newcastle was about because they don't play English teams, you know. They play, yeah, you know, in Italian Italian football is a, just a different, it's a different gravy. Um, and there's just not, there just wasn't a ton of pressure. I felt like in the first stanza of this game, but then like they moved. I think that they figured it out, right? They're like, oh, okay. This is how it's going to go. This is how Newcastle play, right? There's just these these uh, quick, quick like they're going to play it back when they're in pressure. They're, they're you know they're going to play it um, horizontally when under pressure. Let's just ramp it up. So they go into fifth gear like right after that, and I think Milan looked so so dangerous, but they just couldn't finish. Like when they did when when they did have a shot on goal, Pope was there. So it's like, yeah, I think Pope had an outstanding game. Um, and, and I think that they got, yeah. and and I'll say by the second half, I think they got into their own heads about that, right? So things weren't going their way. They weren't scoring the goals. They were mad at each other. And when they finally did something good, Newcastle broke them down, and they they kind of like got out of pressure, um, like almost like a, a boxer fighting out of the corner and slipping, slipping, you know, slipping the pressure and and heading off to the next corner. And I think that that got into their heads, and they were like impetuous and brash. And undisciplined, um, and also unlucky. And I think Milan didn't win because of their hubris. They, I think, they underestimated Newcastle's defense. Um, a statistics show that they had large control of that game, but Newcastle's back line, you know, did it again. That's two shutouts in a row in league and in Champions League. And there's just something to be said for their organization. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of, of, of moments where it was definitely like they should have scored. 34th minute was when there was a ping pong in the box and it was cleared off the line uh, by, I think, I'm, I don't even know who cleared off the line. It might have been Jake Murphy, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Cleared off the line by Newcastle. And then even later on in the match, like towards the end of the match, there was Almero and had like a, a crazy tackle that kind of saved everything before Newcastle then went out, went down the pitch and almost scored a, a game winner, but it was very odd. Uh, the vibes were interesting, but it, it was cool to see uh, for sure. Like, and you could tell, you could hear the Newcastle fans loud and clear. You could also kind of a 
probably a, a weird one for Tonali, who still looked still looked a little out of sorts at times, but uh, was was basically like given a stand. He was giving a standing ovation like before yeah. the match, and then when he was subbed off by the entire. So it was just very very cool moment for him. But um, I think some of the problems were still there. Um, Anthony Gordon still, by and large, most effective attacker. Jacob Murphy did bring something new to the table, but it wasn't great. Isak wasn't involved at all. You actually saw Newcastle uh, move Isak out wide which to, to get him the ball more at, at his feet because he was dropping into the midfield to try to collect the ball because there was no continuity through the midfield. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know what Tunali and and Longstaff were doing, but neither one of them were were progressing the ball uh, for Newcastle in the midfield. Then Bruno was kind of relegated to shielding the back line just because of, like you said, Milan turning up the pressure. So still a lot of questions in the midfield. Uh, none were answered. Isak going out left with Almiron onto the right, and and Wilson through the middle. Worked for Newcastle uh, towards the end of last season uh, during that. Sorry, I had to take some water. Uh, during that stretch where uh, Callum Wilson scored like nine goals in a month or something absurd like that. That trio didn't work. And it was mainly because Isak just like literally, and this is this is a slight problem, just like kind of gave up. Once he moved out wide, like it felt as if I don't know if you saw this, Josh. Yeah, but it it just didn't. His body feel English like was, wasn't very positive, that's for sure. And that entire left side was getting torched. Like, and part of that is like they made some great subs. They subbed everyone on that left side. So like Musa came in, uh, who uh, to I guess technically on their right side, Musa came in and Polisic were mm-hmm. were were just wreaking havoc. And Dan Byrne was like having to do a lot, but like like Elliot Anderson. Uh, it was Elliot Anderson, I think, who came on. Yeah, Elliot Anderson came on for like kind of for Tonali, and he wasn't interested in defending, and uh, Isak wasn't interested in tracking back. So it just became like Dan Byrne with having to deal with Musa. Musa just skipping past Elliot Anderson like with one or two touches every single time, and then uh, Dan Byrne having to guard. Christian Pulisic 1v1 in space a bunch. And it just was terrible. And, like, that doesn't happen if your winger is actually tracking back to help defend. And with Gordon, that wouldn't have happened is kind of what I'm alluding to. So Mm -hmm. still some questions from Newcastle. Like, I didn't come out of this feeling confident about our chances in the group. I think, like you said, like, like, I guess we kind of alluded to earlier, like, they did what they were supposed to do. But I don't think that Newcastle are going to win against PSG. Mm. So I don't that, know. That's, but that, we'll, I don't, we'll get there when we we'll get there when we get there in a couple of weeks. But just anything can happen on your home ground, right? Well, I, agreed. Uh, yeah, we saw that. But it's just I also like that team is humming, and they've a lot of those guys have been there before, and they ironically look better without Neymar and Messi yeah. at times, just because I think there's a clear alpha on that team and, you know, people can debate all they want, but, and also like worth noting Dortmund, not very good right now in the league. Milan, not very good right now in the league. Newcastle, not very good right now in the league. PSG completely fine. So yeah. I, I think that they're the team in the best form right now. Uh, overall. I mean, they're, they're not great, but they're 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 in fifth, which is better than you know what Newcastle are doing and Dortmund below their standards. But 
we'll see. Like they're scoring goals. I don't know. It's they're also giving up goals in the league as well. So maybe I'm a bit off base. Maybe that whole group is a bunch of underachievers in the league. So who knows? <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have a a great uh, not great player? <laughs> do you have a best player of the match or it's, player of the match? It's got to be Pope. I mean, yeah, agreed. Like there there were so many sh- there were so many shots. Clearly, he just had a great match. He stood on his head. He saved our ass, got us a point. So it's Pope for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, honorable mention to probably, I think, Anthony Gordon, out of all the attackers, has still looked the most consistent. Um, I feel bad for Bruno because I feel like he's doing a lot of work. Um, and I think Sven Botman actually did a pretty good job yeah, of uh, yeah. coming back with Leao. There was a lot of 1v1s that he was able to sniff out him and share but mostly him were able to slip out. And it's kind of wild having like the athletic, also good ball playing defender. It's kind of, we got the athletic defender usually with, uh, with Jamal cells. And then on the, I don't, we don't do this typically, but I have to give a shout out to Tomori who uh, I think he probably is. He, I would say he's the number one reason why Newcastle only had one shot on target. Like I feel like every Newcastle attack was sniffed out by pretty much just him. So mm-hmm. good for him. Uh, glad to see that he's doing well at a, at a club. Uh, obviously, former Chelsea guy. Um, doing well in, 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 in Italy and, you know, always vi- hoping for an opportunity with the English national team. Who knows if that'll happen. Elsewhere in the group, we'll touch on this quickly. Dortmund with a fairly comfortable win over – sorry, Wow. PSG with a fairly comfortable win over Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was more of it. That felt like a, uh, it was, it was more of a win will PSG score rather than a, like this felt really back and forth. Um, I think PSG did what you're supposed to do at home and they pretty much dominated the match 68% possession. So nearly 70, 30% possession also with like, almost three expected goals or two and a half to three, depending on who you're, who you're looking at for your expected goal stuff. A lot of chances, a lot of shots, uh, a lot of shots on target, all that kind of jazz. So did well uh, goals from Mbappe with the penalty and Hakimi with, I don't know if you saw the Hakimi goal, probably one of the better goals of the day um, outside of uh, the last minute Lazio goal. From that's the, the yeah, that's the only <laughs> one I but, saw. Yeah. But yeah, was there anything else you saw? I mean, uh, obviously with that match, that has our group implications, and you already alluded to the fact Newcastle are technically second right now in the in the group standings, I think. Um, but anything else you saw that stood out to you uh, from Champions League play today? Uh, I, I think uh, Celtic Celtic losing their match as well. I think is a big deal um, if you're a Celtic supporter. There's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers going on up there right now. Um, Man Especially City. with the, they had a, uh, I, I I think I saw when it was a red. Yeah, it was a second yellow that became a red. Uh, yeah, on, and for Celtic too, which that's always they had two reds. I, wow, I saw the second yellow became a red, and I thought that the indicator because I was watching Golazzo, I thought the indicator of red card above Celtic was for that. Did not realize that they were already down a man. So that's yeah doubly bad for them i mean their first their first place in in the scottish prem right now and i don't think that that's i mean i don't think well no it's just bad for them in the sense of like you're yeah. just you've lost two players for the next champions league yeah match. yeah well i just i'm sort of just from from a greater greater perspective for them and, and with pasta Kaglu uh, leaving their side i think that um you know they're under a little bit of 
a little bit of pressure with uh, with with Rogers, um, you know, to to prove a point um, that Celtic is bigger than just a just a league champion that they can play in Europe. So we'll see we'll see where they go with that. And then I, I, I did uh, note, you know, City City did what City does. I you know they're they're tied for first place, I guess technically in their in their group right now. But I, I would expect um, I would I would expect Manchester City to. I mean, if you, I, I, they've got young boys and in Krevna Svezda, um, so they're to, to me it's a guarantee. Yeah. And RB I Leipzig is a good team, but I don't see I don't see them winning the group. Um, yeah, but it doesn't even matter. Like Leipzig and City are getting through that group. Like one and two and two and one. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, same could the, be said about the Group H too with Barca and Porto, or it's like. Barca just smacked Royal on towards yeah. five. No. You know, like, and I think in a different in a different in a different year, five years ago, Shakhtar Donetsk could make could make a case yeah. for themselves. But I think just being a um, Ukrainian team, right? And they're not are they yeah. even playing their games in the Ukraine right now? Like who knows? I don't I, know I, where I don't they're even playing. Know. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then a good point. yeah, so I think that there's just there's bigger issues that are impacting Shakhtar Donetsk. So it'll be interesting to see how these how these teams play out. Yeah. One of the and to one your of the point, real quick, yeah. before yeah, yeah. we move on, they, that game was played in Germany, so not even a real home game for Shakhtar Donetsk. It was literally played in Germany. It was played. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. The one I'm looking forward to is uh, playing tomorrow. Bayern will take on Manchester United. I think that Eric uh, Ten Fraud is under an immense amount of pressure. I think that Manchester United are. I think they're in trouble. I think they're in big trouble. And I think tomorrow they're going to get blown away by Bayern who are, or who are having problem. You know, they're not perfect, but man, man United are, are at sixes and sevens defensively. Nothing's working for them right now. And it feels like every other week they've got a player who is getting themselves in trouble. Um, so I just, you know, maybe they or, have or they're just, or they're just alienating players that are good. So yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll leave it at that with them. But yeah, I do think Ten Hag's under immense pressure. You're already starting to see some of the the cheeky leaks about Ralph Rognick and kind of just about the situation, not particularly about Ten Hag, but just about how Rognick had made all these suggestions for transfers and they completely ignored them. Yeah. And anytime you start seeing the 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 front office getting blame and all that kind of stuff, like they feel pressure to make the changes and who knows how long Ten Hag will Poison in the well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 rough over there for him, especially given that uh, compared to other people, he's had a little bit more time and and had to ch- and chose some of his signings. And you can't say the guys that he handpicked himself have worked out. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, oh, last one, last one, last one. Arsenal yeah. host PSV tomorrow, and yeah, uh, that that should be interesting. I I, I really like. Um, uh, the Dutch attack for most of the good teams that come out of, of the Netherlands usually have a pretty good attack. Uh, their back line is usually suspect. And I think that's why the numbers are always so inflated with the attackers that transfer into the, the mm-hmm. prem from yeah. the Netherlands. So we're going to see if PSV can go uh, to London and get a result against Arsenal. Um, so just be a fun one to watch. Um, and then for me, just another one to keep on your radar. Uh, I, well, actually, this whole group, I think, is just a fun group. The Group D with Benfica and Salzburg tomorrow, I just think anytime you get two teams that are 
one exciting and sometimes can make some noise uh, if they make it to the knockout stages going up against each other. Like it's all, it's usually going to be like one of those two, two, three, three matches or something like that. I just, I just have a feeling about that match. And then Real Sociedad and Inter, I think it's just going to be interesting because Inter is really good. And Real yeah. Sociedad is their solid team as well. So I think that'll be an interesting match. That's, that's probably the group. I'm. It's a group. I'm, I can't really say, Oh, for, for sure. I know who's going to, actually come out of that because I do like there's part of me I, we've seen Benfica and Salzburg in particular uh do things where they've they've been in groups that no one's like they're not coming out of that group and they somehow end up with you know good finishing second or something or or, or in, in coming out of the group so good on them uh but yeah that's all Ooh, all we got yeah, I um yeah. yeah I'd say oh it's just uh Mikel Marino uh if yeah, you remember that name. yeah 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 he's out there and then don't uh don't we have a, a guy at a Sevilla, um, former? We have a guy there. Let me take a line real know. quick. I just, I swear. Well, Sevilla have Sergio Ramos, so yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That'll that'll all be good. Good. Good games well, tomorrow. No, Sevilla's got some some ballers though. Yeah, they they've do. got Danny Ocampo. Oh, Lucas Ocampos. They've got Rakitic. Yeah. Which yeah. I didn't realize he was there. And yeah. and Eric Lamella. What a what a squad. That'll be With fun. And, all right, yeah. Um, that should be should be fine and dandy. Uh, yeah. Can I, I can I give yeah. one last shout out? One last, yeah, and then I'm done. Ahead. I'm done bothering you. I no, just want to say good. thank you to uh, Stephen Allen out in uh, Newcastle. Sent me uh, because you can't get you can't get the Castor uh, uh, kit with the Champions League badge. And um, yeah, thank you so much for oh, dealing dealing okay. with me. Okay, this is we're getting down to the. If you're still listening to this at this point, I'm sorry, but this is this is like super. I wanted your opinion on this more than anyone else. What did you think of the kits today? Because I very it's different kit for Newcastle. I don't think a lot of people noticed it didn't was notice. different, but they didn't did realize notice, they couldn't put their finger on it. Right? They couldn't put their finger on it. But if you if you're if you didn't notice, um, one the white shorts, I think people figured that out pretty quickly yeah. but newcastle went with the white panel on the back uh yeah. with the red numbers and red lettering and um they and liked it. i, I thought it was I, I i liked it too i kind of like it better than the what they currently do because the it kind of just proves my point about the red numbers on the jersey is that just because you stick a white outline on the red numbers on the on the black against the black and white stripes background doesn't mean that that actually sticks out and makes it more legible. It doesn't do anything, but <laughs> having the white panel with the red numbers, it actually feels like the uniform worked a little bit better. It did give some Juve vibes for sure, but I don't know. I liked it. So give yeah, shout out yeah. to shout yeah, out to the, the kit man and I kind of hope that they sell the Champions League version of the Castori kits like at some point. I know Adidas will because they know how to make money, but I don't know if Castori <laughs> will. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. All right, uh, all right. Well, that's that's another episode of CHN Radio for you. Um, I'm Elijah. That was a chicken expert and connoisseur Josh. Ciao. Uh, <laughs> ciao. Yeah. Away the lads, and uh, we love you. Guys. Never win the cup again. I'll 
River Dock at St. James's Park If the gotta get down to the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park In the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home